Blessings. This is Pastor Walter and Maribel Arias welcoming you to the podcast of God of Covenants Christian Center. We hope this time is a blessing for you. Make sure you subscribe to get new messages every week. Enjoy the message and embrace what the Lord has for you. This week's message, titled Beware of the Giants, by Pastor Walter Arias. Let's listen to the message and may God bless you. Here of a topic that assuredly all of us that are here, we have seen it, whether it's in a movie, in in books, they have told us, or we have read it and studied it, the story of a young man chosen by God and assigned by God for a purpose, the young David. And that young David was chosen to be king of Israel. And to be king of Israel, not only was to choose them, but to allow him to go through processes so that he could rule. He had to learn and he had to take his blessing and to do the purposes of God. And this story, many are familiar with it. For some, maybe this is new. And this is not a legend. This is not a tale. This is a historical act. This is in the book of Chronicles, in the book of uh, the books of Samuel's. This is history of humanity. And behind this story, there's a great teaching for us. As all the Bible has teachings, complete teachings. It has facts, it has names, it has numbers. The word of God is rich in detail and has cultures. And there's one a culture of war. In this there's a culture as such. In life, God has a plan for each and every one of us. And I want to say to you directly, God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. Who can say amen? God has a plan for you where you are. And not only that, but he has a plan through you, through us. And this is something that many people don't understand. And we're looking for plans for myself, for me, but we don't conceive the idea that God has a plan of salvation, a plan of restoration, a plan to revive our spiritually, but with a purpose to be instruments for others. So there's a plan for me and plans for God through me as an instrument of God. Amen. And life is full of opportunities, but each and every one of them will have obstacles and will have its own giants. This is the story of David, a man with purpose of God for him and through him, but he had to in, confront in his life a series of giants. And we know the story, and almost all we have in the portion where David conquered a giant named Goliath. Everyone knows it. But not only did he conquer one, but he had a fight against four others. And that's why the symbolism of the five stones that he grabbed that in when he went to fight against Goliath, it says that he took five stones and he put it in his sack in the little sack that he brought. And with one, he was able to defeat Goliath with the first and the other four. It was a prophetic figure. Four giants would come to his life for more. So 
we have to understand of the giants. The giants can see, be seen two ways. We could see it as a legitimate truth of which they're designed for. The giants come to kill, to steal, and destroy. The Bible says that. The Bible says that Satan came for that, to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. So then the giants that are presented to us, they have as a purpose to take us out of the purposes of God. Not only what God wants to do in my life, but also what God wants to do through me for the life of other people. So the other way that I could look at giants is an opportunity to grow and to advance. Because there's no victory if there's no war. When someone says I'm blessed, is because one day he wasn't. I'm prospered is because one day he was in bad shape. When a person is happy is because there was a moment they were sad. Same with the giants. And I want to speak of five giants. And the first giant that we're going to get into, this is a teaching for some that are new. And for some, this is to bring to remembrance. And for others, in 15 years that I've taught this topic three or four times, for others, this is going to be some applications that are additional on behalf of God. The first giant is the giant of despisement. And you're going to look in your Bible because you're going to be able to underline that I'm going to say in 1 Samuel, in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and the verses 40, 42, and 43. Take notes because Friday or Thursday you'll be in your Bible study groups and they're going to ask questions, those leaders, and you could say, yes, I take advantage of the time. So 1 Samuel chapter 17 verses 40, 42, and 43, and it says, Then he took his staff, so he took his staff in his hand, and he chose himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine, to the giant. Verse 42, And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, underlined that he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. And verse 43. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Underline cursed. Underline the word cursed. Two words that are clear in this text. To speak of this giant of despisement. He disdained him and he cursed him. He disdained him because he was very young and he disdained him because he was also very good looking. Like like me. <laughs> I try to see it and say, very young and very good looking. Very tender. Good face. Like to be a warrior, you had to be ugly, I guess. And David was ruddy and good looking. And this giant of despisement attacks the mind it comes to bring you thoughts of defeat to bring thoughts that you can't it comes to bring you thoughts that you're not capable it doesn't give you value the value that you have or the value that God gives you this giant doesn't give value to the qualities that God has placed in you to the virtues that God has placed in you. 
this giant doesn't give value to the talent and to the gift that God deposited in you. He's going to say that you're poor. He's going to say that you don't have to what to buy with and that you can't progress. He's going to say that you are, you're too old. That you can't learn anymore. That you cannot achieve anymore. He's going to say that you're an immigrant in some cases. And that you're a person without papers or documents or without residency. And he's going to say those things so that your mind gets depressed. He's going to say that others are more capable. That there's a way to get it, but you're not that person. That others are the ones that have the rights. That others are the ones that know. That others are the ones that have virtues. And this giant knows how to work in your mind of his victims. That you're not of a special or specific race. That your eyes don't have the color that they should. That you don't have the correct that they're going to say that you're either fat or too skinny or too tall or too short, that you're too white or you're too black. He's going to say that your hair is too straight. And in some cultures, they've put it that your hair is bad hair. The giant of despisement. That you're a weak sinner. That you're condemned to continue sinning. That you're so weak that you're not going to get out of the place that you should have gone out of from a long time ago. Because he despises you. He despises the capability that is in you. Despises what's the capability of in you to be able to conquer. And that you do those things to do for God. It's for others because you're too weak. He despises you. He takes away your value continually. That giant hides behind people. With who you relate. He could come with the closest person. Could come from your wife, your husband. Could come from a family member. Could come from a neighbor. He camouflages behind institutions. Behind ideological currents. Behind his own mind. Listen up. Not only is that giant manifested through people and institutions. But also in your own mind. Why? Because the Bible's clear that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and the rulers of darkness and spiritual hosts of evilness. That giant is manifested in many ways. And where does he attack? The mind. Touch yourself here. Touch yourself here. In your house. Touch yourself here. This is where he attacks the mind, the thoughts. And there's something curious there in the Bible, something very special. You know how David killed Goliath. Who can tell me how he killed him? Say it. Say it out loud. Say it. With a stone and a slingshot. And another one says that they cut off his head. Very interesting. And they cut off his head. How did they kill Goliath? with a stone to the head and then it says that he killed him and then after when he fell down he came he took the sword of Goliath 
and he finished him, finished killing him. Not that he killed him twice. Is that you're explaining a process of death. A stone here, or a rock, and a sword. But we forget something else that he used. David knew how to defeat the giant of despisement. And I want us to read it in the Bible. Because there's something else that we don't take into account. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 45 and 46, it says the following. Then David said to the Philistine, Allow me. Stop right there. Don't take away the text. Is that the Philistine had already to David. He despised him. He says, oh, you're good looking. Oh, you're very nice looking. I'm going to give your body to the birds of the air. And he cursed him by his gods. Gods with small G's. A word of cursing to the mind of the heart. So he could scare him. But David, verse 45 Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. So the first thing that he did, he said a word of power. Can you say it? Let us read this. And we lift up our voice with uh, boldness. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God. If you don't say that in a moment of mental warfare, then you're defeated, I can assure you. One has to become like, like they call those crazy people. You have to learn to rebuke with a loud voice in the name of Jesus. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. You make those thoughts or you go, mm, mm, mm. or do you go, I rebuke you and you speak to yourself. Speak to what's inside. Speak with the power that wants to come. Speak with what is camouflaging itself with a situation and you have to learn to despise the one who wants to despise you. Are you with me? <laughs> In the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Verse 46. And underlined there, in the name of the Lord of hosts. And then in 46, it says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Look at the word that he starts. A word of conquering. He conquered him with a word. He used a weapon, the weapon of the word. And he says, the day, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you and take your head from you. Underline that. Look at the words that he said to him. Mm -hmm, mm -mm, no, I'm going to cut your head off, Goliath. I'm going to cut it off in the name of the Lord of God, of hosts, a weapon that is powerful, the said and spoken word, the word of conquering, the word of war, a word of determination. I will cut your head off, and this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is God in Israel. So I ask you now, what strategy or what weapons did David use to kill Goliath? He used a word of conviction, a word of certainty, and a style that he had that he knew something he knew that he had the slingshot and a stone and then a sword that wasn't even his. That's how we have to fight before the giant of despisement. Because the giant of despisement embraces us all. The giant of despisement 
comes to all of us. Continually, he's coming to us. You're going to fill a, a form for a business, and the first thing that you say is the first thing. And what is saying here? Oh, they're not going to give me that position. Oh, no. Oh, no, I'm Hispanic. No, I'm too tall. No, I don't qualify. No, I don't have. I don't speak good English. Who is that? That's the giant of despisement. They said that to you? No. They said it in your mind. Was it someone? No, it was you yourself. I ask you then, is someone understanding what I'm speaking about? Lift your hands if you understand. Blessed be the Lord. And you're going to have to be able to shake yourself off and speak in the name of the Lord of hosts, in the name of God, in the name of Jesus, like the Apostle Paul would say, I can do all things in Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Why does he say that? He didn't say that because he was in the best time. He said it because he was in the biggest scarcity moment without having. But I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. A devotion, those that do the devotionals of the Our Daily Bread, I give you credit. And that wonderful devotional, there was a teaching under the title, Beat Again. And I read it directly. The true story of a heart surgeon, after taking out the patient's heart to repair it, he then returned it back to the chest and began to gently massage it to beat again. But the heart did not restart. After more intense procedures, it still did not beat. Finally, the surgeon approached the unconscious patient, the unconscious patient, and said, Mrs. Johnson, I'm your surgeon. The operation went perfectly. Your heart is fixed. Now tell it to beat again. And it started to beat again. A story that is true, that is registered. The heart was already prepared. The woman had oxygen, had everything repaired, and he was massaging the heart, and the heart didn't want to beat. So he went to the mind. Tell your heart to beat. And boom, it started to beat. It's things that are spiritual. Amen? We have to learn to speak life when we see death. We have to learn to speak abundance when there's scarcity. That's why the Word of God says that when we present ourselves before God, we do it with prayers, and it says with thanksgiving. A brother said to me, uh, who I like to speak with a lot, they said that in their cell group, they came praying for all the needs, for needs, for needs, for needs. And one day, a sister from the cell group said, listen, let us not pray anymore for the needs. Today, let us give thanks for the answers. And they changed the prayer. And they started, Lord, thank you for the job of this brother. Thank you for this and that. And they said, as we started to pray, then the following day, that's how it started to work. They called me for a job. Blessed be the Lord. If you're going to clap those hands, give that glory to the Lord. And then start to speak as it suits. The giant of despisement. Be careful with him. Take care of yourself. And when you start to understand it, so if in this time it allows me to be able, for you to be able to perceive it, then you know who you're fighting. Is someone receiving this? Yes, glory to God. Let us go to the second giant, the giant of opportunism. Remember there was five stones that David picked up that symbolized something prophetic. Five giants. There's another giant and we're going to call this giant 
the giant of opportunism in 2 Samuel chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. And it says there in the word of God, when the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines and David grew, what does it say? David grew faint. Are you with me? And David grew faint. Underline that word faint. There in your house, underline that word faint. And David grew faint. Verse 16. Then Ishbi Benab, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruai, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. The story of a giant that we could call the giant of opportunism. What is that opportunism? Something that you take the opportunity in a specific moment. And what specific moment did they take David, this giant? They took him and found him in a moment that he was exhausted. We could say to this giant, we could also call him the giant of exhaustion. And I think many are going to understand. Why? Because this giant looks for the opportunity to find those that are exhausted. Looks for the opportunity, always is looking and concerned in his subtleness to go behind those that don't stop. Those that they don't place a stop those that they think that their body was designed to work 14 hours 15 hours 16 hours a day that they don't understand that the days were to work six days and then one day completely to rest without washing your car without cleaning your house and without doing anything but to read the word of God to rest to eat and sleep to wake up to meditate, to laugh, eat, and go back to sleep. That I've already taught you here through the word. The rest is vital. But the giant, this giant, this giant of opportunism is going to go behind those, behind those that have large agendas and with excuses that are human, that I have to work more so that I can provide more. Because they have the equation, if I work more, I gain more, I, then I have more. But as such, you're going to start wasting more and spending more because your budget is going to go higher and your lifestyle, because now, because you're working so much, you make account, you go, oh, well, I make so much, so now I'm going to get in another responsibility financially, but you're not counting that your body's going to get tired that your mind is going to be worn away so that giant of opportunism comes and finds you exhausted. And I know that many of you, that this is hitting you hard and you're there, that you're moving almost like you want to leave to go to the bathroom. And those at home as well, I know. A drug addict is a thing. Or a work addict. A work addict. Drug addict? And work addict. What is a work addict? That he's addicted to work. He doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. His mind is just make money, make money, make money, make money. 
They live to work. That is their agenda. Yeah, I got to do it. 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 So then that tiredness is not going to allow you to be effective because even though you're thinking you're going to make more money, there's people that work so much that they think that if they work more, they're more efficient. And you know why I say all of this? Because I know myself. Because I'm a person of a vigor, glory to God, I have a lot of vigor. And those that I don't have, I invent them. <laughs> but I have to put a rein on my heart. And yesterday, I put uh, yesterday uh, an event for some people that could come with their families. And I was going to put some, uh, like a cookout, three hours. 10 in the morning you come we pray for a half an hour we put the meat we wait for three hours and we go there to organize in the back and take out some garbage at one o'clock they call us to lunch after one those that want to play sports here they can and I come a point that I said stop stop and we could go with that we could go and maybe continue going to Poinciana cutting the grass but I said stop already stop this sun is too strong. Let us go. Because one starts to work and, and you get like numb, right? And your eyes start to come like coming out. <sighs> and then and you lost your reasoning and your face and your expression start to change and, and you're hysteric and you have to take like another protein, another vitamin, a monster or whatever, everything that you shouldn't put in your body. To have more energy to do what more. Huh, huh. So you're nervous then because you have to finish. Look, I learned something in this country. In this country, if you don't learn in this country, then you don't learn anywhere. And this country is a university. And forgive me, my Hispanic friends, those Hispanic business, but I'm going to say it for the majority. With this construction of this building, I learned so much. In the other one that we constructed, and the other one, we were three and a half years constructing that other building. And I said, Lord, I'm so tired of constructing temples. Forgive me, Lord. I'm so tired. I said that to my Lord. I said, Lord, the next one, I'm going to ask your favor. That it be a company to build it. Because that tiredness is too much. I said it to the Lord and I prayed in that way. And God allowed that this one be constructed. I was supervising and there's a difference between a company that is professional and that are people that understood and forgive me and the majority of those companies are people that are Anglo Anglos of the United States that we say would love a gringo they're very smart the companies here are very responsible the serious companies the institutions the, the and forgive me that I say this forgive me maybe not you but maybe it's another person but Hispanic companies were disorderly because we have in our way, we say, I do it with indignant way and forgive me with an indignant way. And then we come with a mentality of conquering this country. What we didn't do many, we want to do now, do it from the morning to, uh, from the night to the morning. And then we come here to work and we do it and we do it. And in this company, I learned something that the company that we contracted, they subcontracted other companies and they started in the 7 o'clock in the morning. And at 4 o'clock, 
there was no cars in the parking lot. It was a beauty. And they were able to do it. And the hurricane came. And they were doing it for six months. But they did it for seventh because of that. They did this whole corner, the streets, everything, this building. In seven months, they constructed this. With a hurricane included. And I have some friends that are pastors that are constructing some templates. And they're four or five years. And they still have not even put doors on it. Something is missing. And I think what's missing is a knowledge. So then here I saw this, and I was wondered that they would leave at 4 o'clock. They were gone, all the workers. Of course, it has reasoning. That person has family. That person has another responsibilities. That person has to take his oxygen. That person has to go and eat. That person has to go and see his family. That person has to do something else. It has a sense to it. He has to sleep at least seven or eight hours so he can wake up at six o'clock and be here at seven to have all the energy to work with an intelligence. Because when one works and works and works and works and forgive the word that I'm going to say, and you forgive me, they become dumb. And one thinks that, oh, I'm going to gain more. And I finish. No, two more nails, three more things, one more thing, this more thing. And they keep doing and keep doing. And it's not that way. Let me tell you. You continue trying. I go by the experience and what it says. That this giant comes behind those that never stop. Those people that never stop at home. Those women that go out to work and then they come to fix the whole house. To rearrange it. And, and change everything. And they all have to find something. And if there's a moment that the car. Also the car. And, and let, let, me take out, <laughs> let me take out the plants and, and replant them. Hey, this is, maybe some happened. I'm going to raise my hand because this has happened to me. Has it happened to you? Then don't be shy. Lift your hands. Lift your hands, woman. Lift your hands if it happened to you. It's happened to me. The giant of opportunism takes those that are exhausted. And the Bible speaks and shows a story that you will remember. When Elijah sliced off the heads of many prophets of Baal, the prophets of Jezebel, and that war that was there with them, he cut off the heads of those false prophets, and the man left, tired and exhausted, and it was in a wilderness, and the good, the bad news came, was Jezebel saying that tomorrow I'm going to cut off your head like you did to my prophets. And he went where? He went with his mind entangled. And how did Jezebel find him? exhausted emotionally exhausted spiritually and exhausted physically is it not there in the word it's there in the word the giant of exhaustion we could say to this one of the opportunism and meditate in these words meditate on this this giant does away with health and with family relationships you can find a lot or get a lot of money and lose your home you could be in focus on making money and lose your home. Be very careful. There are certain battles that you will only win a human being when they rest. Elijah was only to overcome that thought of Jezebel, that threat, when he ate and he slept and he awoke and the angel came and gave him food. Eat, sleep. And when he was nice and rested, he gave him a new purpose because he had not finished the purpose in Elijah or through Elijah he says get up because the way is long but he made him rest 
that God allows you to receive this word and those that are exhausted. God is not wrong when he requires his children to rest. You could do all that you want and the Bible will always say and to a point that you need to rest one day. You rest? Do you rest? Do you stop? The Sabbath, which is the rest, is not necessarily Saturday. Sabbath, Sabbath means rest. So today's Sunday, tomorrow's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But choose. If you could rest too, then fine. Take two. As a pastor, I bless you so you could do it as well. And God is going to allow Abishai... Remember, Abishai came to defend defend David before this giant. And I believe faithfully that the pandemic was a type of an Abishai for many. This pandemic that has happened, or that is happening, has been an Abishai. Something that came to make us stop. We have spoken here now for three months from this pulpit. The positive part of the coronavirus, where we had to stop where we had to diminish, where we had to lower our acceleration. And we noticed that we're still alive, that even there's less money or less opportunity, but we are still alive. So they took away the responsibilities to buy and buy and buy and buy because you can't go out. Are you with me? So rest is very important. Are you listening? Very good. You got me scared. That it not be there, the giant of uh, sleep. That jeep of the sleep, the giant of the sleep, there's something called <clears throat> slapitis. Boom, boom, waking up. Let's go to the third, the giant of the pit. What is today's topic? Beware of the giants. So you can take notes. Beware of the giants. Say it with me. What is the topic? Beware of the giants. And what is the first giant that we saw? The giant of despisement. One, two, three. The giant of despisement. This is to memorize. Second, the giant of opportunism and also called the giant of exhaustion and the third is the giant of the pit of the pit 2 Samuel 21 verse 18 another now it happened towards there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob underline Gob then Sibakai the Hushatite killed Saf who was one of the sons of the giant. So this word gob, it's the same word. It's gezer, which means precipice, a region. A region of gob was known as its precipices. And this war happened in the place of the pit. So we call this the giant of the pit the giant of the profoundness, the giant of the famous expression in many cultures when they say, today I am in the pit. I am in the pit. And we even say, what? And forgive me, that I, I culturize you with God of covenants. <laughs> because we're from other countries so that you can understand the expressions. So how are you? Oh, I'm in the pits. So it's a place where there's a, it's to say in a pit, in a hole. When you say that I'm bad, I'm in a bad shape, I'm in the pot. It's when you're in bed. How are you financially? I'm in the pit. How's your life? Oh, 
something in that pit. You see a person in the street? How are you? Mm. Where in the pit? In other words, mm. repeat it loudly, you. <laughs> But the lexicon, the worldly, and it's going bad for me. It's going bad. The giant of the pit is the giant of the precipice. And sometimes we see ourselves in that pot in a deep hole without any way out. That from here, no one is going to take me out. Because I'm sure you've heard it when you say, no one is going to get me out of here. What a problem that is so big. Here, I have no way of getting out of this hole. Or the pit. But you know what's good? God. The God is manifested in a supernatural way when you say that I'm without any power, when I'm not capable, when I have no opportunity. When we're in a situation like we're in a hole is when God comes and he extends his hand supernaturally and he allows you a new conquest. And that's where you get happy. I was speaking with this brother yesterday that I like to speak with. And we were in the car and I said, Pastor, I'm going to tell you something. I had an affliction in these days, a pain in my heart. And I went to work early and in the car, I started to cry. I started to cry and I said, Lord, who else am I going to ask? I have a situation financially. I have some responsibility. I have a debt. I have to pay so much. What I'm working doesn't give me enough. I'm very limited. Who am I, so am I going to go to? And I says, Pastor, a crying, crying so profoundly in my heart. And then an answer, supernatural came to me because he has tried to do everything so that the government would give money for his company and he's done everything and they denied him. And a call from a person came. How are you? And he says, he said, I'm in that pit. And that person said, you know what? You're going to make this call. You're going to do this, this, and that. And he says, Pastor, the following day in the morning, I had an answer from the government. They approved. They approved through a person. Is that God is glorified when you're in that pit? Are you with me? Who can say amen? God is glorified when you're in that pit. But you have to be very wise. Stop saying, oh, I'm in the pit. I'm in the pit. And say, cry out. And say, even though I'm in this pit, I'm seeking you. Where? From where, where will my help come from? My help comes from God who made the heavens and the earth. I will raise my eyes to the mountains and where will my help come from? Blessed be the Lord. And there in Psalm 40, verses 1 to 3 and 5, it says the following. I waited patiently for the Lord. Underline that. When you need to come out of a pot or a pit, so you have to be patiently waiting. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me, and He heard my cry. He also brought me up from what? Read it loud, please, verse 2. He also brought me out of a horrible pit of despair, of that pit, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. What did He put? A new song. Praise to our God. Many will see it, and fear, and will trust in the Lord. And verse 5 says, read it with me in a loud voice, please. And and remind of a song of to many. Many 
O Lord my God, are your wonderful works, which you have done, and your thoughts towards us, cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. When one is in that pit, and they cry out to the one that is in heaven, he extends his hand of mercy, and he allows you to come up, because you've put your trust in him. And he does the supernatural. And the psalmist understood this. That's why there's a song that for some can recognize and says, You have increased your wonders, O God. I can't list them. If I announced and talked about them. There's no time to finish. <laughs> Here we have it all. Give the glory to God then. Amen. Give it to him greatly. If you're going to clap those hands, clap them. I can't count your wonders, Lord. If I start to speak about what I, that what you've done, there's no time. I can't number the things. You have taken me out so many times of the same pit that I've been into so many times. Because it's your mercies that are new every day. Amen? Blessed be the Lord. And Psalm 120, we could read it. Verses 1 and 2. I will raise my eyes to the mountain from where my help comes. Read it, my help, and read it with, with, to be able to knock down that giant. Verse 1, 1, 2, 3. I will raise my eyes to the mountains from whence comes my help. Say it loud. My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Amen? Or from where comes yours? Who do you trust? In your own strengths? Don't you know that you could be sick in a moment in your company? Don't you know that that can be go bankrupt in a minute in the government? That the, the government can go bankrupt? Haven't you noticed? In your company, don't you see that they could close it? Your trust has to be cemented in the one that's giving of life. How many give the glory to God? Give it to Him greatly. Amen? That giant is defeated by putting your eyes on God and having patience in God and being having an expectation that God will send the help. Because there's some people, and how are you in the pit? But brother, where in the pit? Oh, I'm so bad. And the following day, oh, I'm in the pit. Let us let us uh, see each other. No, 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 I'm, I'm in the pit. And they don't notice. They're not understanding that God is using a person to bless them so that they come out of where? That pit. The fourth is the giant of the past. Let us recapitulate. What is the topic today? The title? Beware of the giants. Remember that I'm speaking to speak loudly. Yes? The first giant is the giant of despisement. The second, the giant of opportunism also known as the giant of exhaustion. The third, the giant of the pit. And now, the fourth, the giant of the past. 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 19. Again, there was a war at Gob. Again with Gob, with the Philistines, where Elahanan, the son of the son of Jariah, or regime, the Bethlehemite, killed who? Underline, the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, 
and put a word. L-A-H-M-I, Lami. The shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. That was the name of that giant, Lami. So you can understand the fact. And this is in First Chronicles chapter 20, verse 5. First Chronicles chapter 20, it's registered there in that book. Again, there was war with the Philistines, and Elhanan, the son of Jair, killed who? Lami. It's there. He killed who? Read it. Who did he kill? So you could learn. Lami, the brother of who? Of Goliath the Gittite. The shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. So we see it as the giant of the past. His brother came. Of the giant that in the past had defeated with a prophetic word, was defeated with a prophetic word. And the giant of the past. And here's some information that is important, at least in application. And it's that when we least think about it, we find ourselves in the same problems that we had in the past. Lift the hands if that's happened to you. Maybe I'm the only one or not. That the same situations are presented. And life is of cycles. Did you know that life is about cycles? Life is about cycles. And you can say, I'm fine. Give it a few days <laughs> to life. And you're going to have to say, oh, I'm in the pit again. Look, it happens that way. You say, I'm good with my health. Give it a few days. And then you'd be like, oh, man, I'm feeling bad. A pain here or there. You could be financially well and then a little bit difficult. But not only that, this giant of the past has to do with behavior. Things that we've overcome from the past in the past, but then, then start to appear again. And I think that God allows it to see if we graduated that or not. Allow, God allows the same problems. If something I've seen in my life is that God allows the same things from the past to be repeated to see how I manage them now in the present. Things that are ecclesiastical. God has given me a small experience in my years of pastoring. And it's something that I've seen in this, in the same things that happened in our ministry 15 years ago or 18 years ago in New York are things that I see now. And the same thing, the same giants present themselves. Even doctrinal things. One day we confronted something doctrinal in Colombia 20 years ago. And then in New York it happened, the same thing appeared. When I went to the church in New York, a doctrinal situation. We founded the church there and that situation appeared itself. And then here, that same doctrinal situation appeared. And against that giant, you have to continue fighting because it's the giant of the past. It's the same things that are repeated. And there... I think it's very important that we see the cycles, marriage problems. The Word of God says that who thinks is firm, be careful that you don't fall. We could be very good in our marriage today, and then in a day, a close day, a week, a huge discussion. What's this? What is this? We were so fine. Because the giant of the past wants to come to kill, steal, and destroy and we have to learn to see and observe. You have to be observant of these things. Wait. And you have to think, what happened? What happened? How did this happen? How did I resolve? Oh, I resolved with counseling. Or I resolved with help. Or I resolved in this way. Or I resolved in another way. Oh, God, help me this way and that way. We have to also look how we resolved. 
or how God resolved. There's a fear, the giant of the past again, that fear. And what am I going to what am I going to pay with today? Or the same question that you asked yourself maybe 10 years ago, 8 years ago, last month, is someone listening? Yes. What am I going to pay with tomorrow? Well, with the same that you paid a year ago or five years ago or ten years ago, it's with the same thing that you'll pay tomorrow. It's that giant of the past. It's coming. It's coming and returns. That giant of the past, I see him in old deceptions, in deceptions, and I'm in my house, and I remember that deception and I made sad with something that happened ten years ago with someone, huh? The giant of the past wanting to come to disturb my presence and I have to remember that I am healed in Christ and that if he forgive me and I then whatever happened I forgave or I forgave myself so then I defeat the giant of the past that wants to come and wants to be present again old her old wounds bad experiences you know what it is to burn a boat to burn a boat is to go to a coast like Cortez to get to the coast of Mexico, all of them come down in the small boats, and then when they went all the way to the land, he said to two of the men, go and burn the boat, so that we can't go back to Spain. And they, all of them, then when they saw that boat on, they said, oh, how can that happen? How are we going to return? He says, no, either conquer or die, one of the two. We conquer or we die. Sometimes we don't burn boats, and we look behind, oh, what I didn't get to do, what I didn't get to do, the giant of the past. Like that, you're looking behind you. The giant of the past, always looking. They hurt me a lot. The giant, oh, what you did hurt me a lot. And you're not looking towards the forward. Are you with me? Is someone receiving something today? Are you receiving something for your life? Then give the glory to God. If you're learning something today, don't be shy. Clap those hands and give the glory to God. Amen? And you know why this happens a lot? Is The giant of the past wants to lift up. It's because we didn't cut his head off. Are you with me? Are you understanding? We hit a problem very hard. And we see like a, a, a snake that's still moving when we chop its head off. And we have to learn how to cut certain things by the fruit so that we could be. And the last one is the giant of exaggeration. What is the last one? The giant of exaggeration. Now look at the image, please. And the one, look at that giant. The man, person that made that figure is exaggerated. That giant is bigger than what the Bible says. But it's good as an illustration. The giant of exaggeration is found in 2 Samuel chapter 21, verses 20 to 22. Yet again, there was a war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature, who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in number. And he was also born to the giant. So when he defiled Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimea, David's brother, killed him. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. The giant of exaggeration. How are you? I am way out of super bad shape. No, it's going really bad for me. But bad, bad, bad. Oh, this is not getting together. No. The world is going to end. No. 
And you don't have anything? I have nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm in that pit. The giant of exaggeration and the giant of the pit together. And the giant of despisement, all of them there, stepping on you. Uh, uh. So that individual, that prospective believer, the giant of exaggeration, doesn't see anything that he has, but he sees what he's lacking. He's bad to take into account of what is good. He doesn't take into account of what he has, but he's super good to look at. I don't have milk. I don't have nothing in the refrigerator. And they open up the refrigerator and what is missing is only milk. But he forgot to count the meat, the ice cream, the fruits. He forgot to count the butter, to count a bunch of things. But he says this refrigerator is empty. You know the giant of exaggeration then. You know him. And the, it's empty. It's empty then. Go and eat lentils. Go eat rice. Stop complaining because no one has died. Eat lentils or whatever. Give the glory to God. Don't be shy. If you want to clap, clap those hands. Put these two hands together and make some noise for the Lord. Amen? The giant of the exaggeration makes you look everything like something so great. Makes you look and see things. A small problem, you see it huge. A small situation is huge. And oh no, no, what am I going to do? How am I going to resolve this? How am I going to do this? Well, in the same way that you've done before, God is going to provide a supernatural help. A friend is going to come. A person is going to be at your life. Go and they're going to comfort your heart. Simply, I will lift my eyes to the mountain and say, where does my help come from? From the same one, from Jehovah God that made the heavens and earth. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Stop looking at what you shouldn't be looking at. Pastor, pastor, something is happening there. Is that a family left? Yes, yes. And what? Something's happening. Yes. Is that I need the seats for the five that are coming. Didn't you notice that five more families came to church? Pastor, another person left from the church. Glory to God. So I did everything so that they don't live. If they live, what do you want? That you want me to stay with the giant of the past? Okay. Why did you leave? You're ungrateful. No. And if I was mistaken, then I have to ask for forgiveness. No. So I advance, but I open the doors to the families that are arriving for the glory of God. There's a new family here, and there's somebody new here, and a young person there. It's not like that. One has to learn, and pastor in the cell, a family left. And how many are you going to fish for? Aren't you seeing that they're leaving those? You made your, Now do your part. If they left, if they don't want no more, then what can you do? But stop having in your heart that giant of exaggeration that all you're seeing is what's bad and nothing good. The study, no, it's too difficult. No, no. That is difficult. You're capable. Don't defeat that giant of despisement. You're in that pit, defeat that giant of the pit of scarcity. That you can't take that exaggeration. You can in the name of Jesus in Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, it says the following. And you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. Why this text? Because the giant of exaggeration was always saying what is missing. 
and I remember and I learned something. I don't know. The Bible to me is simply perfect. I learned something by the word. And it's to see the richness of God in one's life. It's to see the accompaniment of God in your life. And to understand that in this land, the physical things, they are physical. They do not transcend. They will pass. But my personal relationship with my Creator is eternal. And that's where I want God to minister to your heart. And church, please stand for a moment. Please stand in your home if you can. And the apostle was clear when he said, you are the church of the Lord and you're complete in him, in Jesus Christ. Because he is the head of all principality. Pastor, you don't teach in this uh, church of this subject? I send you of the topic of Christ. Christ Jesus Lord and Savior, yes. Did you accept him in your heart? Yes. Have you made him Lord of your life? Yes. Do you live for him and you guard yourself for him every day like if he was going to come tonight? Yes. Then you're complete. You're complete. But pastor, that I want to learn this or I want to learn that. That's fine. Knowledge. But don't say that you're not complete because the knowledge is important. But never say that you're not complete in Christ. That Jesus is not sufficient. Or you didn't understand him. Or you never received him. That I don't have to... With what? Assuredly, if you make an evaluation of the things at your house, there's many things of value. Perhaps you could start selling some things that maybe you don't need. Maybe you sell something. If you have to resolve a problem... So that you come out of that pit, and on the other half, so that you stop being so exaggerated that, yes, you have. The only thing is that you don't have it in an account. That I don't have clothes to put on. So make an inventory. Make an inventory and go to the closet and look at everything that you have. Women start with all the shoes. With all the shoes. And when you see it, but you have to do the exercise to look at them and you start to pray and say, Lord, thank you for these shoes. Thank you for these pants, Lord. Thank you for this skirt. Thank you for this tie. When you start to pray in that way and to speak to God, your God, in that way you're going to notice that you're super complete in Christ Jesus already, that you have more of an abundance, is that they have placed many things in your heart that are distractors of the glory of God. Is there someone receiving today? Don't you, you don't like your car? Give glory to God. If you're going to clap those hands, clap them loudly. Amen. I don't like my car. Then like it for at least now because that's all you have. At least like it. Don't you see that you have five tires? The one that is the spare. For those that are saying, "Oh, how a car with five tires?" <laughs> The one who is faithful in the little is faithful in greater things. Because he has been faithful in what is little, I will put you in the greater things. That's what the word says. And if you're not faithful in what is little, if you're not faithful in what if you have, then how can I give you your own? 
Pastor, but the church, it's a church is beautiful. The temple, what a beauty. But Pastor, you're missing a screen in the midst. No, you have two on the side. Don't you understand that you have two? Are you with me? Are you understanding this? Please close your eyes and lift your hands. Good God, we give you thanks, Lord. And today I want to give you thanks for what we have. Lord, I'm not coming with any petition. I want with my brothers and sisters that we give you thanks for what is existing. First, the foundation of everything that starts our personal relationship with you. Because in it, we are cemented in the rock, which is you, Christ Jesus. From, away from you, there's no one that saves. You get in you is our hope and our joy. Allow us to see the spiritual things and where we are seated because some think to be in the pit while the Bible says that we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Thank you, God, for the life and for salvation that is so beautiful, abundant for your word that is rich in promises, in rich in confrontation, rich in life. Thank you for the daily bread that you give us. Thank you for the word that was, the water that was this. Thank you because there's something in the refrigerator and at least there's a little bit of fresh air to put the hand and know that the temperature outside is hotter. Thank you for the car. Thank you for the roof. Thank you, Lord, for the two, three bedrooms. Thank you for the plants in the yard. Thank you for the pets. Thank you for the clothing. Thank you for all things. Thank you for the cell phone, for the devices. Thank you for the friends. Thank you for the beloved, the loved ones. Thank you for this government. Thank you for this president. Thank you for this government that today is, and perhaps maybe it'll be changed for whomever, but thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for this coronavirus. What a blessing, Lord. How are you going to resolve it? We don't know, but we know that you're the same God, the miraculous God, that you do it all in his time. And we give you all glory and all honor and all praise. And I bless this people with your name, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Church of the Lord says, Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We invite you to look for us in the social networks such as Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Search under the name Dios de Pactos Florida. We hope this message has edified you. And please share with others. Have a wonderful day.